It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. It's the Monday edition. It's brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar out there. Don't just take my word for it. Head over to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code LOCKDOWN. You get $10 off your first box. But we got a great show for you guys today. We are picking up some of our conversations from last week where we had our crossovers with the AFC East. We're kicking it back into the NFC. It's NFC East week. So that means the Giants, the Cowboys, the Redskins, the Eagles. We're going to be talking to all of the Lockdown podcast hosts from that division this week. Today, we're also going to be talking about the schedule release and highlight some of the games, some of the good things that we realized from the schedule, some of the bad, and talk about where the Rams fit in for this upcoming season, if held on time, how it's going to play out. So a really fun show, guys. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya. We appreciate you guys listening every single day because that is what we do here five days a week, your team every day, only on Lockdown Podcast Network. Feel free to reach out to us on social media as well. LA underscore Rambling Bear is the personal on Twitter. Lockdown Rams, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Say what's up. Even leave us a Google voice message if you want. We've got a number to give out. It is 657-345-4988. Keep it to about 30 seconds. I'll play it on the show. We'll talk about your question, comment, concern, roster battles, whatever it may be. New draft class coming in. Let us hear from you. But I'm excited. It's going to be a fun show. First segment talking schedule and then segment two and three. We're talking to Lockdown Giants. Patricia Trena. really excited about that conversation. Had it yesterday over the weekend. Good chance for us to talk to the competition. Talk about this upcoming game that we have this season if it goes on as planned. Hear about their team, where they're sitting as we kind of roll into the 2020 season. Really fun show today. But with that, let's just jump right into it. The 2020 schedule is out, and the Rams now know when and where they'll be playing. So let's take a deep dive into their schedule and see how it turned out for the Rams in the 2020 season. I'm Bear Mutter of Lockdown Rams, and this is your lead story. So the much-anticipated schedule is finally out, and for the Rams, the big thing was, who's opening up SoFi, and when is that going to happen? And that question was answered immediately as week one, the Dallas Cowboys come to town September 13th to open up SoFi Stadium here in Los Angeles. I think it was a no-brainer. The Rams were going to open up the stadium before the Chargers. But you never know with this crazy scheduling and how it was going to go. Didn't know if it was going to be a division game or if it was going to be an outside-the-division game. Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, he put so much work in helping Los Angeles get this team back into L.A., the new stadium. So was not surprised to see his team come up on the bill first week, September 13th. Now, the Rams and the Cowboys games have been really good over the past few years, so don't expect this one to be any different. Last year, the Rams went down to Dallas. Big-time game. They needed to get a win, and instead, they got their butt whoops. They came home, 
pretty defeated after that one. So I'm sure the guys that are still around are going to be circling that one right out of the gate. And it's the first one on the schedule. How do you not circle the first one? Getting back to football, I'm sure these guys are excited to be doing that. But we start out there looking at this schedule. Four out of the first five games are with the NFC East, the division that we're going to be talking to here all week on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And that looks like at Philadelphia Week 2, at Buffalo, New York Week 3, back home to SoFi Week 4 versus the Giants, and at Washington Week 5, October 11th. Interesting schedule, and even if you look at it one game further, we've got San Fran on the road. Four of the first six games are on the road for the Rams. A tough gauntlet to get out of the gate. Dallas, Philly, Buffalo, all teams that were fighting for playoff position last year. Two of those three were in the playoffs. And for the Rams and Sean McVay, he talked about that week two and week three, both on the East Coast, both 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time games, so early afternoon games. The team is likely to fly out to Philadelphia, find a place to stay in between and stick around, making travel easier for Buffalo, something that the Rams have done in the past, and we've seen them do in success in the past. So hopefully uh, this is a good start to the season. And for Sean McVay, as we talked about all those early road games, he's 17-7 and so far on the road as a head coach in the regular season. Last year was kind of the outlier for them. They were 4-4 four and four on the road, but going back to 2018, 6-2 on the road. And 2017, when they burst onto the scene, 7-1 and one on the road for the Rams. So uh, this is a team, although a lot of early games on the road, I like their chances uh, when going anywhere with Sean McVay. But as we get back to the schedule, looking at Week 6, we mentioned it at San Francisco. And really, we don't see a lot of those division opponents until the end. From weeks 10 to 17, there are five division games for the Rams. So as you're looking at this schedule, and it looks a little tough at the beginning, you can't afford to lose a lot of games early because at the end of the season, you're going to see a lot of guys in the NFC West. Those games are going to be massively important. So hopefully the Rams can find a way to stay above 500 in the beginning of the season because at the end, they are going to need to pump out some wins. Thankfully, most of those are at home. Week 7 is our first Monday night football game. That is the Chicago Bears coming into town to new SoFi Stadium. Again, that Dallas Cowboys game, that's a Sunday night game. So this is their second primetime game of the schedule. The Rams are one of eight teams with five primetime games. That is the max any team has this year in primetime. So Rams are one of eight teams. If you're looking at, okay, maybe that's the SoFi effect. The Chargers only have two primetime games. Both are on the road. So this is also kind of a sign that the Rams are a team people want to see. So Monday night football versus the Bears week seven at home, followed by a road game out to Miami in week eight. Week nine is the bye for the Rams, a nice middle of the road bye. Again, looking at the first half of the schedule, yes, a lot of road games. But the nice thing is, if you look at some of these road games at Philly, at Buffalo, at Washington, all early in the season when weather shouldn't be a problem. Thankfully, we don't have to see at Buffalo, at Philly, or at Washington week 13, 14, or 15 because that would be a different story as far as weather is concerned. And then coming off the bye, it's our second division opponent. And the first time we see the Seattle Seahawks, they come into town. So coming off the bye, the Rams get Seattle at home, followed by week 11 back under the spotlight Monday night at Tampa Bay versus Tom Brady under the lights. That is going to be a fun one. The Rams come back home in week 12 to face San Francisco 49ers. This is when it really kicks into the big stretch against the NFC West. 
They go week 12 versus San Fran, week 13 at Arizona, where they've played really well under Sean McVay. Our Thursday night game comes week 14 late in the season. The past couple years, the Rams have knocked that out of the way early in the season. We'll have to see how they adjust to that. The New England Patriots, as a side note there, are playing two games in five days as they will face the L.A. Chargers on that Sunday, the following Thursday, they stick around in L.A. and face the Rams. So that's a tough stretch for them. That's a 5:20 game here on the Pacific Coast. And we finished season. Three games left, week 15, 16, 17, versus the New York Jets. You got to like seeing them late in the season. Not a team you expect to be extremely well. Week 16, probably the toughest game left at Seattle. That one should be a fun one, depending on how the division shakes up. And then... At home, week 17 versus the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I'm not going to downgrade the Cardinals, but you probably like to see them out of the, everyone in the division as the last game. The Rams had them last year on the schedule to close out the season and finish that with a big win. But I see this schedule as a few things. Really tough out of the gate. Dallas, Philly, Buffalo, two of the three of those on the road. But then we start to see some winnable teams. The Giants, who struggled last year. The Redskins, who struggled last year. Chicago, Miami, those two teams kind of mixed in right before the bye. And then right off of that bye, 10, 11, 12, really tough opponents. Seattle, Tampa Bay, San Francisco. As I mentioned, five division games from week 10 to 17. This is a very interesting schedule for the Rams. They actually, as much as they don't travel in the second half, their beginning is very tough as far as travel. They are the number two most traveled team this NFL season. The only team above them is the Seattle Seahawks. But thankfully, the good thing for the Rams is they get a lot of that out uh, by the time week nine hits. If you look at their schedule, once they come back from Tampa Bay in week 11 from that Monday night football game, they don't leave the West Coast. They got San Francisco at home. They go to Arizona, still in Pacific Standard Time. New England's here. New York Jets are here up in Seattle. All also on the West Coast and then Arizona at home. So you got to get through the gauntlet of the tough open. Hopefully you win some games to kind of stack it up before the bye week. And then coming out of the bye week, man, get ready to face the gauntlet of the NFC West. If I'm Sean McVay, I love this schedule. It's never going to be easy with the division you're in. But you got to like getting the cold weather places out early. Most of your travel out early. A lot of home games to finish the season. Five primetime games get plenty of opportunity to play under the spotlight. Love this schedule for the Rams. Really, the only thing I hope is it stays as is and we don't have to slide too much of this back. But again, so hopefully not too many more delays. We're ready for some football. I know these Rams are. The team is set. Let's just start to get to it. There are four preseason games. We'll see if those go off as scheduled in late August. Speaking of getting you some football, we've got an awesome conversation coming up next with Lockdown Giants' Patricia Trena. Before we do, got to talk to you about Built Bar again, the greatest protein bar that is out on the market right now. The mint chocolate cream is my favorite, but the exciting thing is you guys go back to BuiltBar.com. They have added a bunch of new flavors, which I'm really excited to try. I might have to put my order in today as well and get another box on the way because I think I'm only down to like one or two bars left. They're that good. Some of their new flavors include chocolate cookie dough, mango, and peach cobbler. Oh my God, that sounds delicious. Uh, but go check it out over at BuiltBart.com. You check out all their new flavors. If you want to get the new flavors, it is a bump offer, which means you have to add it on. But again, it's only $9.95. The promo code is for $10, so the six bars basically are free if you want to try their new flavors. And again, compared to Earmuffs, the Cliff Bar, 
It's half the calories, seven fewer carbs, seven fewer sugar grams, and more protein. Plus, it's way better. It's not chalky. It's not dry. You don't have to really try to get through it like some of these other bars. And you're getting $10 off, right? What's the complaint there? All you got to do is go over to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code LOCKDOWN. Once you order, you'll get that discount. And I guarantee you're going to be buying another box, which I will be doing here probably the next two days or so. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. The suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Lockdown Nation, welcome back to another crossover week. This time, it's the NFC West versus the NFC East. We are catching up on all the teams around the league and checking in post-draft and seeing how they feel about their team coming into this 2020 season. Today, we've got an awesome show. We've got Patricia Trena on here from Lockdown Giants. Really excited for that conversation. Patricia, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Brad. How are you? I'm excited for this crossover. These are probably my funnest episodes to do to kind of peek in around the league, especially as we see you guys here on our schedule coming out to Los Angeles. We don't know if there's going to be fans or what, but the schedule was released, so we can get excited about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that as well as the draft. So welcome in all of our listeners. Uh, you can find all of our shows on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Himalaya. Hit the subscribe button, share with a friend, leave a review. We always appreciate your guys' feedback. Uh, but Patricia, I want to kind of dig into the giant side of this. We'll look at the Rams in the next segment. Uh, but I want to start just where we kind of are coming off of as far as the draft not too too long ago. Uh, obviously, the Giants had a very high pick in that draft. They went offensive line. But what is your thought overall on the Giants draft? Where did they win? Where do you think that they maybe missed out uh, in that 2020 draft? Well, right off the bat, I've got to say offensive line. The Giants needed to address that offensive line. Um, it, there would have been absolutely no excuse for them not to. And I, and quite frankly, had they not done it, I probably would have been leading the charge to fire General Manager Dave Gettleman. Look, you just don't, you just don't finish, you know, in, in the position they were in, which you know, a top four draft pick, um, a, a tackle rich class. They had to address that position, and I'm so glad they did it. And they, they double-dipped, actually. They went with Andrew Thomas in the first round, who I believe is going to be their future left tackle. And then they took uh, Matt Hart in uh, the third round, um, who's going to be their uh, future right tackle, who projects as, as their right tackle. And then they also picked up a kid by the name of Shane Lemieux, who played left guard in Oregon, but who could potentially be a center. So they really... 
upgraded that offensive line. And it's so important because, you know, you look at the problems the Giants had on defense last year and how many times that defense was on the field for for long stretches of time because the offense couldn't sustain drives. And now I think, you know, you give them better protection for the quarterback, Daniel Jones. You give Saquon Barkley and the running game holes and opportunities now maybe any concerns you still might have on the defensive side of the ball are reduced if you will because hopefully the offense can sustain drives yeah and and you you talked about you know addressing that offense line and you've got the big pieces in Barkley and Jones that you've spent high draft picks on so it only makes sense to go out there and protect those guys and allow them to uh, do the best they can in that system the one interesting thing that I saw that I was a little surprised on and I want to hear your thoughts about it was this is a class coming into this draft class that you heard so many people say oh the wide receiver group is so big so large so many great talent uh, and obviously there were needs across the board for this team but were you surprised they didn't find anybody in this draft to kind of go and get at the wide receiver position because you got the line, you got the quarterback, but I'm looking at who's he throwing to Golden Tate, uh, Sterling Shepard, who's been around for a while there, but then it kind of falls off. Thoughts on the wide receiver class and then how you guys are going to address that in you know the 2020 season? You know, at first I was. I think your mock draft I did for the Giants, I had a receiver in there in some way, shape, or form, and I think I, I, I basically stuck with day three. But in having gone back and looked at it, you know, objectively, a couple of thoughts come to mind. Number one, the Giants do have a solid three-man rotation at receiver. Golden Tate, as you mentioned, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton. Let's not forget the rookie who had a breakout year, led all the Giants uh, receivers, tight ends, and running backs with, I think it was 12 touchdowns. No, I'm sorry, eight touchdown receptions last year. So he was the team leader. Then you throw in Evan Ingram. You throw in Saquon Barkley, potentially maybe Caden Smith, the tight end. They have plenty of guys they can throw to. They're just they're not going to hone in, I think, on one guy like they would if Odell Beckham Jr. were here. They're going to spread that ball around. So really, in terms of receivers, I think what they were maybe looking to do, which is why they went the undrafted free agent route, was to get depth at the position. Maybe get you know a, a guy who could return a punt or a kickoff. Now, here's where I am a little concerned. Sterling Shepard, as you know, you may know, had two concussions within a four-week period last year. He gets another head injury, and who knows what his future is going to be. Evan Ingram, as talented as he is, cannot seem to stay on the field. So that would be a concern. And Golden Tate, even though he was very productive for the Giants, I don't know that he's the long-term answer at that spot. So I was kind of surprised that they didn't dip into that pool to maybe look for the future. But I, I kind of see why they didn't. I get their logic, even though I might not necessarily agree with it. That is a great answer because you kind of, you know, brought me back to the roster and said, hey, we do have some guys. But then you kind of finished with also saying, but some of those guys also have some injury concerns. So there could be a depth problem there. But you're right. You do have a roster full of guys that can go catch the ball if they spread it out. Uh, Barkley out of the backfield is dangerous in many ways. So, uh, And in that division, which seems to be wide open, and that's kind of my next question when you're looking at this division, last year really any team struggled to kind of find the top. And really uh, going in, I think, five weeks left, four weeks left, uh, everybody was in that division. So as you see it shake out with the free agency and the draft across your division, where do you think the Giants fall into it this year? Is it still kind of a building process, or is this a year that you really think you can break through and try to go compete and find yourself? in the playoffs 
Well, I do think they're still building. And I think, you know, you look around the rest of the division, you've got three out of the four teams with new coaching staffs. Now, the Giants obviously have the newest of the coaching staffs because Joe Judge has never been a head coach, whereas Ron Rivera in Washington and Mike McCarthy in Dallas have been head coaches. But still, new staff, new schemes, new language, new everything they're bringing to their respective teams. So as far as I'm concerned, it's kind of a level playing field. You know, the Eagles, you can make the the um, argument that the Eagles have the advantage since they have a staff that's coming back and a lot of their core players coming back. I don't know that that necessarily gives them that advantage, but, you know, certainly something you have to take into consideration. So I would say right now, the division's probably wide open. I, I can't sit here and say, oh, the Cowboys are definitely going to win it or, oh, the Eagles are definitely going to win it. Um, I, I think it's wide open. Um, I don't know that the Giants are going to be a team that's going to maybe challenge and go deep for a playoff spot if they even get to the playoffs. But I do think they're trending in the right direction. And I think most Giant fans, if you ask them, they will be happy with an 8-8 eight and eight record or better. Yeah, very true. Just trying to get back to close to that winning football where you can start to turn the corner. you got so many young guys on that team as far as building, just finding a way to, to win. The new coach you mentioned in Judge, and, and we're seeing some of that out here in Los Angeles with some of the new coaching staff we have around Sean McVay. Really interesting offseason when you look at that transition uh, for both these teams. Those are big key moments that we're missing out on uh, during this offseason, but hopefully we can get back to some normalcy, get these guys in the building for both teams, and we'll start to see it. My last question uh, is the Giants travel out to the West uh, to face Los Angeles week four. It's the second game for the Rams in their brand new stadium. The first one is against uh, a team you know pretty well in the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, when you look at, at your schedule, how are you feeling about it? Because I see the first handful of games. You got Pittsburgh, Chicago, San Fran, uh, the Rams, Dallas. Uh, before you hit week six at Washington, your first really kind of circle the schedule as you know an easier game but then again it's division game so how do you like the schedule and thoughts coming out here on the west coast early in the season well you know i i find the schedule interesting i still you know at the risk of sounding like a a, a debbie downer i still <laughs> would be surprised if the season starts on time yeah and it's funny because when the schedule first came out and i saw that the giants weren't opening against dallas i said yay finally they broke the trend but then it, upon closer inspection of the, of the schedule i said you know what if they lop off the first four games of the year and they you know either reschedule them or cancel them all together the giants are going to open up against dallas at dallas right so so for me the, the 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 most interesting part of the giants schedule is that middle part um, where they have, I think, five out of six games against NFC East opponents. And I thought that construction was really telling. Now, I'll be honest with you, I haven't looked at the other team's schedules, so I don't know if they're set up the same way. But I just thought that was really interesting for the Giants. I do know, obviously, the NFL, their intent on playing a full 16-game schedule. Now, we don't know, will it be, you know, will they have to start the season in October and then reschedule the first four games for, you know, the end of the season or cancel them or what, whatever the case may be. But um, I'll tell you what, getting an opportunity to go up against the Rams, Sean McVay is a very, um, you know, brilliant head coach. I know you guys fell upon some hard times last year, but he's still a really, really brilliant head coach. Um, you've got some solid talent there that I think would be an excellent test 
for this Giants team. And it's a matchup that I would be looking forward to seeing. You're right. And it's funny. I just looked at our schedule as you were talking. We don't have a division opponent until week six. That's at San Francisco. So uh, interesting to see how they're going to do the schedule. It's funny. We have a lot of really fun battles that we can talk about in the next segment that I'm really excited about. It's probably the first time I'm really excited for preseason football, and we probably won't have it. Uh, And it's weird. It's the first time I probably wanted to see some preseason action for some of these camp battles we have. But uh, we'll see how this schedule shakes out. And hopefully uh, there's game out here. I know everyone is itching to get in this brand new SoFi Stadium and having uh, Dallas open it up and then New York coming in a couple weeks later. It's a really fun start to that home schedule. So uh, what we'll do is we'll take a break. We'll jump over. uh, We'll hit the other side. We'll have Patricia ask some questions here about the Rams. And we will continue our NFC East, NFC West crossover here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry, you can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, welcome back, Giant fans and Rams fans. We are on the NFC East and NFC West crossover week. And uh, my name is Patricia Train. I'm joined by Brad Mater. He is the host of Locked on Rams. And we just finished up talking about the Giants. And now we're going to flip the tables a little bit and have Brad tell us all the lowdown, everything we need to know, Giant fans, about the Los Angeles Rams, whom the Giants will are scheduled to face in the first quarter of 2020 schedule. So, Brad, first off, welcome back to the program. And um, let's talk a little bit about some of the changes that the Rams made in uh, from last year. Now, last year, the Rams loaded up. They traded for Jalen Ramsey. They didn't have a first-round pick. Um, they cut Todd Gurley, uh, they they just they really shook things up. I think because when they when they came up um, short of their goals, what do you think the the long term impact or or not the long term but for twenty twenty the impact of some of those broken moves that didn't work out for them is is going to have on this club? You know, it's it's a financial reset. Really, you're looking at Todd Gurley trying to get off that contract. You're looking at Brandon Cooks trying to get off that contract. Two guys who have some big question marks as far as injuries go. Obviously, we know. Todd Gurley with the knee and all the uh, dilemma and conversation that's happened about that over the past year, year and a half. Brandon Cooks, uh, again, kind of this past season having some issues with some concussions, missed a few games. Um, Long term for him, staying on the field and being healthy, I think is a big question mark. He was owed a lot of money over the next couple seasons. So I think the Rams really were uh, got ahead of themselves a little bit 
Les Snead, our general manager, has said multiple times that he doesn't regret those contracts and said that those guys earned them and that this organization is going to be one that um, you know basically takes a player and if they earn that, they're going to give it to them. Uh, and maybe you look back and you hopefully they learn from something from that. But then again, we went and drafted a running back in round two. Again, if this guy sticks around and can be good, obviously you're expecting some big money coming his way. So I don't know if they've learned their lesson. I think in the short term, it's getting off some of those contracts. In the long term, you're looking around the the or around our roster, and you still got some really big names like you mentioned in Jalen Ramsey, and you got Aaron Donald, Jared Goff. Uh, so we got some really young, talented players. Cooper Cup, another one on the offense side of the ball. So I think there's still a really good future for the Rams in the short term this year, trying to get some production on the field, as well as if you look five years down the road, uh, having a game plan for uh, putting a successful team on the field. We're out in L.A., just like you know out in New York. If you don't do it right, uh, they will let you know about it really quick. So I think the Rams plan on being a team around in the NFC West in a division that is packed, being up near the top for years to come. Now, what about your quarterback, Jared Goff? I know there's been some talk that, you know, is he the guy? Is he not the guy? Where do things kind of stand with him? Oh, man. And and it's funny because, you know, I, when they gave him that deal, I was actually really excited. I figured, hey, before Dak, right after Carson Wentz, you got uh, Patrick Mahomes coming up. There's a few other guys that are expected to get paid big. And I don't want to get into that competition of I need to be paid more than this guy. So let's just fit him in. Get him the money. You know he's a first-round pick. You know the Rams at this point, once they gave him the money, want him around. They've restructured his deal uh, just before the draft, I think it was, to kind of free up some extra money for the Rams to spend on their rookies. Uh, so that kind of also shows you that, you know, they're – that, that's not really a benefit of the team. That kind of shows you also their impact of, hey, this is our guy for long term. He had a down year last year. I'll be the first one to admit that. But I think uh, really the game plan put too much on him. This was a team that ran the football a lot. He worked wonderfully off play action. He's an accurate guy who can throw the football down the field. But when you start to put pressure on him, uh, although he can throw the football outside of the pocket, and that's not an issue, he's not like the, you know, the fleet of foot guy inside the pocket and I think when he sees pressure uh, instead of taking a sack which we can appreciate sometimes he starts throwing the ball uh, erratic some interceptions some turnovers so those things he has to clean up but I like him as our quarterback in the future as far as moving this team along I think he can get it done I think we just need to get back to a more balanced attack that you saw in 17 and 18 and not have to put him he's not one of those guys like Russell Wilson where you can say hey look you got no offense line we're down two running backs go win us the game that's not Jared Goff style he's a guy that's going to be more of the point point guard and distribute and and he's going to be very you know valuable for you but he's not the guy that you're going to say hey I'm down all these guys you're going to have to go win us the game and that's the scary thing when you get deep into the playoffs sometimes there's a game like that where he's got to make the throw and we've seen him have a good throw or a timely throw uh, in a big moment he did that in that Super Bowl run but I think there's still questions about him but the Rams the organization loves him they gave him a lot of money so you got to get used to him around here in Los Angeles and I think this year for him and McVay are going to big be big prove it years for them you know you talk about a balanced attack you guys uh parted ways with todd Gurley. um and looking at the uh, depth chart depth chart i see you you drafted uh cam acres um you also added a couple guys james gilbert and xavier jones to go with malcolm brown who looks like he's going to be the incumbent daryl henderson do you think there's a drop off there or do you feel pretty good about the reshaping of that running uh game attack you know, it's interesting because we didn't see much of Daryl Henderson last year. It's a guy that the Rams traded up back into the third round to go get. 
And you thought maybe that was one of the reasons they wouldn't draft a running back, that they feel good about Malcolm Brown, the veteran who's been here since Todd Gurley got here five years ago. Uh, he was signed to a deal by the Lions, which the Rams ended up matching to bring him back. So you know they like him. And they go out and get Cam Akers. I think it's going to be, I want to say a running back by committee, but I really think when you go get Cam Akers in the second, you're kind of looking at him as being the guy that can absorb the majority of carries. And if you look at his body, he is that. He's got speed. He's got power. He can run over you. He can run by you. Uh, he can catch the football. So he brings a lot of versatility. I wouldn't think it's a downgrade in a weird way. I think it's an upgrade. And this isn't a knock on Todd Gurley, but I think with Todd Gurley leaving, all the questions about his knee, all those three running backs that I just mentioned have no injury concern right now. There's no anything in the back of Sean McVay's head saying, I need to limit some carries here to be careful. I got to think about long term. It is, I've got three healthy guys, and I can really, if you look at the way San Fran did this last year, and it's a copycat league, they had three different guys that could run the football, and they did a lot of it. I expect the Rams to get close to that. We saw a handful of games, and I mentioned this when I was talking about Jared Goff, where he was having 40, 50 passing attempts in a game, and that is not the style that we need to have Jared Goff. So I think if we can get back uh, to running the football, taking a load off, but again, that means our offensive line has got to be consistent, got to stay healthy, which was a big question for us last year. But Cam Akers, I think, uh, with the mix of Henderson and Malcolm Brown, are going to be a good unit. It's just can the coaching staff uh, commit to giving them enough of the opportunities to make it worth it? Now let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Looks like that's where you added the most uh, players between the draft, between free agency and undrafted free agents. Um, one of the top guys you added, you added uh, Terrell Lewis, uh, I think in the third round. Um, Leonard Floyd was signed. Uh, he, he was uh, cut by Chicago, so you picked him up. Um, some of these other guys you have, let's see, you've got uh, – Jonah Williams looks like added at defensive end. Um, and of course the centerpiece is Aaron Donald, you know, who, who was just a tremendous talent overall. How would you assess the defense? It looks like it's a, it's a rebuild, but I I'm sure, you know, maybe it's not. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit of a rebuild, right? You got some corner pieces and you mentioned Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, John Johnson, uh, safety coming back off injury. He was kind of going the right direction arrow up when he got hurt. Taylor Rapp, rookie last year, had a great year. They had Terrell Burgess in the third round with Terrell Lewis. So uh, those two guys coming in, you expect to get immediate action. Uh, Burgess is a guy that can play safety, can play corner, can play nickel corner. Uh, he's going to be a good fill-in for Nikel Roby Coleman, as well as just kind of putting him anywhere. That's the, that's the nice thing about Terrell Burgess. He has almost this un- position type of playing style that he can play up against the line and make some tackles uh, he can go back there in coverage and be just a pest on man-to-man uh, Terrell Lewis which was our third round pick out of Alabama uh, he's got the same wingspan as LeBron James and that's uh, something that I picked up and heard along the way and it just keeps sticking in in my head as far as the athlete that this guy is the size if he can stay healthy he comes from a program in Alabama where it's basically an NFL program he understands preparation he understands people coming for his job, so competition. Uh, I really like that pick. The big question for the Rams uh, is that middle linebacking core. Mike Kaiser, uh, Traven Howard, Kenny Young, who we picked up in the trade last year from Baltimore, and then Leonard Floyd, you mentioned coming over from Chicago. The nice thing about him is they, uh, you mentioned Chicago cut him, so he doesn't go against the 
comp pick scenario for us next year. That would usually hurt when you sign a guy like that. Uh, but he was basically a free agent at that point. And Ashawn Robinson added to the offensive line. Michael Brockers left and then came back, which was kind of a little drama. But I really like that piece coming back because he's a leader. This defense has got some really big names, some really big leaders in the locker room and on the field. Uh, but that linebacker group is going to be a question. Dante Fowler gone. Corey Littleton, when he left, I, I literally probably shed a couple tears for him because he was such a leader in the middle of that field. He did so much from... Uh, covering wide receivers and tight ends to coming in and making tackles. Uh, He was the guy that wore the green dot on the helmet and was the communicator two years ago. It was Eric Weddle last year. So they're going to look to replace that guy with who knows who uh, to kind of do that. I don't know if that's going to be Michael Brockers or maybe Taylor Rapp or John Johnson, someone in the back half. But I'm excited about this defense. That middle linebacker, though, I just keep scratching my head. That's why we really were expecting maybe in that second round going and getting a guy that could have fit in from day one. But uh, they're excited about the group they got. You mentioned all the undrafted rookie free agents. There's a bunch of them there with the new CBA and extended rosters. It'll be interesting to see who can kind of sneak on this team uh, and fight for some pitch and fight for some position in 2020. Final question for you, Brad. What's the one area on this Rams team that really has you nervous going into 2020? Yeah, I almost doubled down on the on the linebacker core and then maybe a little little side slice of the offensive line because it the offensive line finished the season really strong. Last five games, you started to see them play a lot better. McVay also started to kind of open up his eyes, play a little bit more 12 personnel instead of that 11 personnel that he kind of became famous for on that Super Bowl run. Uh, but there there's just some questions there. This is a group two years ago that you know started every single game for two seasons straight that offensive line um then you see roger saffold leave our center retires next thing you know we've got a couple young guys that they had really high hopes on and joseph noteboom and brian allen both those guys go out with season-ending injuries last year uh david edwards and bobby evans were from the draft class the year before they stepped in and played pretty well andrew whitworth at 33 coming back big question mark. He started last season really slow, finished strong. Um, So there's just a lot of question mark. Rob Havenstein, another guy that finished on the injury last year, had some really good seasons in 18 and 17, but 19 wasn't his year. Uh, So it's just, what are you going to get from those guys? I think consistency is going to be key. Can we get back to running the the ball? That was the thing that I want to see. But with an offensive line, if you can't trust them to go do that, it should be interesting. So offensive line, um, I still think is going to be better than it was last year, but I still don't know or have anything to really prove that. And then the linebacking core that I just kind of went into. A lot of young guys that have never had a a quality amount of starts in the NFL. uh, So you got to expect for them to kind of just come up and prove it, what you drafted them for, why you didn't draft at that position further. So those two position groups are going to be definitely under the microscope uh, for the Rams in 2020. All right, Brad, the great stuff. Thank you so much for the lowdown on the Rams. And, of course, we will see how the Rams and the Giants and the rest of the NFL teams take shape if and when they are able to start training camps. Right now, every team at their 90-man roster limit. Still a lot of questions to be answered, and it's going to be an interesting next few months. So I want to thank you again for the information. And Giant fans, Ram fans, thank you so much for tuning in to our crossover special NFC East versus the NFC West. For Brad Mater, I am Patricia Trena. We'll talk to you again soon. So stay tuned tomorrow because we've got Lockdown Cowboys as we continue our NFC East, NFC West crossover series all week here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. But with that said, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time, peace.
Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network. 